from Real FM. This is Downstream, a podcast about the present and future of streaming media. This is episode 44, recorded May the 18th, 2023. I am your master of ceremonies, Jason Snell. And back with me is our director of strategy, Julia Alexander. Julia, welcome back. We missed you. Thank you. I missed you guys as well. Well, I missed you as much as I could miss people while being in beautiful countries. Mm, that's right. Inter- <laughs> some international travel. Um <laughs> Really nice. I don't know if you've got any uh, any important. I, I this is not sports corner, but I appreciated that you went to baseball games in Japan and Korea. That was pretty awesome to see those pictures. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, really spending three weeks in in Japan or two weeks in Japan, a week in Korea, and then um, a week in Hawaii were just astounding. Not baseball bad. so much better in Korea than it is in the U.S., and that's <laughs> that says a lot because baseball here is pretty good. Um, I think that was the highlight and also stumbling upon what might be an illegal Osaka tasting, uh, excuse me, um, sake, uh, uh, sake tasting in Osaka. Oh. Um, so obviously I won't say where, but, um, I don't think it was legal, but it was great. And so <laughs> I had a great, I had a good time doing that. Um, and I will say as it relates to this podcast, I did spend, um, a not insignificant amount of time trying to figure out how to stream HBO cheaply. Uh, in order to get succession because I was away for those weeks. And it was not that it was necessarily complicated, but there was the whole issue of I'm sure people have experienced this traveling like the credit card. It it can't be it has to be local to the country or whatever it might be. And so they don't let you sign up. And so I went three weeks without succession. And that might have been the hardest part. See, this but that's is, such a they're not take. a sponsor here, but they've been a sponsor elsewhere. I used a VPN. When I was in New Zealand, and it worked like a charm to get back here to watch HBO. So that's what I did. That's, that's what I got to start doing, Set really. up a VPN. Yeah. yeah, you you are a bit of an international traveler. Your company is based in New Zealand, right? So, mm-hmm. And you're going to be going there, I think. So, like, yeah. you, you, you have VPN, I think. Not sponsored this time, but, like, that's, time. that's the trick. You VPN back to the <laughs> States. You've got a U.S. account. And the, VP, the the services are like, that's fine. Which is, honestly, I always am reluctant to talk about, like, using VPNs to do things like hack Netflix into changing what it shows you and stuff. But, like, if you're a subscriber in the U.S. to a streaming service mm-hmm. and you're uh, traveling and you want to watch things on your U.S. streaming service, I mean, I feel like you're morally in the right to just VPN back to the States and watch your HBO Max, right? Like, uh, you should be, totally it should be agree. okay. I, I think. totally agree. Yeah. I think. But also, how are you since we last talked? How, I always forget. Are you a Giants fan or I, a Dodgers fan? I am a Giants fan. There's a big yeah. difference there. Uh, yeah, I know. You know ba- yeah. Baseball, it's, it's okay. They're kind of like bubbling around and mediocre, but uh, it's <laughs> it's all okay. The weather is uh, is slowly, very slowly getting better here and foggy Bay Area. But um, but no, it's good. We I had Tim Goodman on uh, mm-hmm. last time. It was fun to catch up with my old uh, podcast big pal fan. talking about his Substack and and uh, the times of confusion, as he calls these times, and, and going out and being a, becoming a TV writer, right, as the entire market for scripted television fell apart. What a brilliant guy. What a yeah. brilliant guy. But he was burned out. He had to go. He had to, he yeah. had to go. It, it, it's like, well, that was a bad career move. It's like, no, he had to, he had to make a career move. Uh, he was super <laughs> burned out. Uh, but also the plight of the, um, the TV critic and the idea that you used to be able to see everything and now you can't, you know. Hollywood Reporter there with him and Dan Feinberg um they couldn't see any everything between them right like no. i mean it's just impossible now so 
uh yeah it was good catching up with him but um let's dive back in because like a lot happened since we last we because keep in mind not only did was tim on uh last time but the time before that was an episode out of time where we pre-recorded with letters so it really mm-hmm. it has been a long time since we recorded one of these and th- guess what you're not gonna believe it uh, but stuff happened, lots of it, uh, while you were gone. I mean, you were probably looking at Twitter in Korea and being like, oh, my God, what is happening? Um, but before we get to that, some huge news. Uh, well, OK, it's not huge. Uh, we're we're changing our release schedule for this podcast, at least for now, due to some conflicts. Julia's schedule, we're going to be recording on Thursday afternoon or evening for us. So I guess we're one of those Friday uh friday drops now <laughs> late yeah, thursday we are, we are part of the friday drop we're leaning into what we cover i think, I mean, yeah. I think we're until, just doing that until this becomes inconvenient and we change it to a different recording schedule but exactly. right now it's every other thursday so that's why we were late this week okay the, now now the real news uh i'm gonna start with a, it's an old story but we didn't cover it and so we need to talk about it at least a little bit which is next week hbo max is turning from purple to blue it's becoming max uh, it's going to pick up some of that Discovery Plus content, mm-hmm. not all, but some, and the zazzification of HBO Max will be complete. Um, <laughs> now that, that you've had a lot of time to let that sink in, do you have any like overall thoughts about uh, the the removal of HBO from the streaming name? It's going to be a tile inside. I've heard, I've seen conflicting, some people are like, oh, what, way to devalue the HBO brand by removing it. And other people say, no, 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 <laughs> way to value the HBO brand by not hanging your entire streaming service on it, but letting it be its own thing inside it. What do you think about this now that it's all actually finally about to come to pass? You know what's funny? Just before I give my answer, I'm curious because my answer kind of flip flopped around the last several weeks, uh, and I still haven't really landed on a, a permanent, I think, opinion. But I think I'm, I'm more close to one now. What is your opinion on the uh, exactly what you just said? The HBO move. Do you think it protects HBO, or do you think it devalues HBO? So, um, I'm going to give you a not clear answer here because I'm going <laughs> to say I think I think them choosing HBO Max as the name of their streaming service at the time, I I loved it as an idea because I didn't view it as a devaluing of the brand. I viewed it as Warner using the best brand they had for entertainment and saying, we're going to expand the brand because people know what HBO is. And and I think that that was kind of smart because they really didn't, I mean, they could have been like, wb plus or something like like i think hbo max not a bad idea to use the hbo name however in practice what's on hbo max soon to be max uh already what included some stuff that was like is this hbo content and it was like well no not really uh and and now in the era we're in now where everything is sort of being decontented um all the stuff is being pulled out and then now they're going to bring in the discovery stuff it's really not an HBO product, even in a stretch. And so it feels increasingly like a less good fit. But I I don't think it was a mistake at the time for Jason Kalar and company to say, this is what we want uh, is to use our best brand on this. Because that was in an era where that was the idea is you went out with your best and then you you blew it up with streaming. But you wanted to be like based on the brand that everybody knew. It's just mm. now that's really not what max is turning into and mm-hmm. and having hbo be a tile in max and be able to have its own little thing i'm i'm kind of okay with it what do you think yeah my, so i i still have conflicting thoughts on this when i when i first you know knew about it, and this was before it was announced and i first kind of knew about it uh 
my original thought was that it was devaluing HBO. But then the more that I thought about it, kind of to what you're saying, I feel very similar, similarly to you. But but I also will go one step further because I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO, HBO Max, like all these different versions of HBO existed. And the only thing that went away was the name. Like the branding didn't really go away. The network didn't go away. The network continued to thrive. In fact, it's doing better than it ever has been. And I think as the older audiences really kind of age out in the United States, and it's really this younger group of subscribers who are adopting the platform. And then you kind of have your older millennials, Gen X, um, really that we're looking at. We're talking about uh, two important things. I think we're talking about audiences who are uh, technologically inclined. And so they can very quickly Google where to watch that HBO show um, if they really want to watch it, which is the advantage HBO has. And two, I think the way that Max is being packaged, it still feels inherently HBO-E. Sure. But I think to your exact point, in the United States, this is another core aspect of this conversation, in the United States, Max is about to become a a general entertainment service um, that is running into bigger issues than the HBO name, right? The bigger issue is that general entertainment is undifferentiated in the United States. All that means is that the value of general entertainment has diminished as it's become oversaturated and we've got a huge content surplus, meaning that what you can kind of find on HBO Max or soon to be Max, you can kind of find on on Hulu, excuse me. You can kind of find on Netflix, right? It's part of the reason why Disney is kind of collapsing Hulu into Disney Plus. The idea like, well, this content isn't necessarily going to drive huge subs on its own, but it might, you know, supplement what we're trying to do with our core vertical. And so if I think about how Disney Plus is attacking that, right, which is kind of like the idea that Hulu originals will become a tile, kind of what happened with Star um, within this app, this unified app to support the bigger verticals that aren't growing themselves either. If we look at Marvel and uh, Star Wars, you can kind of see some of the things happening with HBO and, and soon to be Max, right? This idea that like HBO exists, it has its audience, it will continue to grow its audience. People who are not The Last of Us will go to whatever platform is going to have it. People who know, love Succession and the shows that are really HBO know where that is. And then globally, this is a really interesting conversation because globally, HBO Max does not exist in most countries. If you look at Canada, for example, HBO Max does not exist. HBO as a network is its own thing uh, if within cable. But then it's most of its content is delivered through uh, Crave. Right. Crave is like a $20 a month or $25 now a month um, kind of super streaming service. It gets mm-hmm. a lot of FX content. It gets a lot of like HBO content. And so it basically pulls from these US networks and says, well, we'll carry it for you. This is very common in a lot of other countries internationally. And so the question about, you know, well, we're going we're gonna to go from – HBO Max to Max, my bigger question is, well, are you planning on rolling out further in all these other different global countries? Or are you actually just happy to sell your content, license your content out? So Max doesn't even exist. It might be a Max original, it might be an HBO original, but it exists within this larger streaming service where branding has even less to do with, you know, uh, 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 as a network has less to do outside of the uh, the shows, which are their own branding, right? Which is House of the Dragon, Succession, whatever it might be, Dr. Pimple Popper. And so the more I think about it, the more I do think it protects HBO in in a way that HBO doesn't need protection. I was trying to think of a way to word this in a positive. So actually, if anyone has an opinion on this, maybe Jason. Jason's very good with words. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to think of of the positive version of this. You know the saying, right? Like a cockroach would survive a nuclear war. Yeah. Like 
HBO has survived how many acquisitions, how many of these different changes in media, and kind of consistently comes out on top as continue as continue to grow in each single segment um, because it's HBO. The programming is is sharp. More people are it's open, it's it's widening its audience in terms of the content delivering. It's really growing, and so I don't want to say HBO is a cockroach because it's not. It but it is like unkill. It feels like it's unkillable mm-hmm. in ways that other brands are maybe not necessarily associated with that like just really strong strength if anyone can figure out a positive way of spinning that i would appreciate it uh so i can say it yeah most of the time it's i mean we could say it's like a uh like a like a superhero i mean because i was gonna like horror movie monster or like rasputin or something but it's always like the unkillable monster but no i'd say it's more like more like superman or something right it's like you can't he he just keeps coming back you you can't kill yes i mean other than that one time for comic book sale re- reasons they didn't kill, they killed him then but they, they, he came he came back i, I it, it, it's the exception that proves the rule um you, you can't kill superman you can't keep superman down and it's a warner brothers property so it, it's all in the it's all in the family um but yeah i think i like this i think you superman. make a good point hbo is is in many ways uh warner brothers discoveries um marvel or star wars right it, it is a it is a brand it is a very important brand it's not the same in that it's not a uh shared universe franchise but like it's it's gonna be fine the only question i've got honestly is there are i believe that the hbo team um developed a bunch of max originals they right? did like hacks yes. for example is a good yeah. example a great show and they've got the HBO vibe, but they never aired yeah. on linear HBO. They only aired on HBO Max. So this yeah. is the one thing that I've got out there, and it's a little bit like FX on Hulu, which is what happens to the – if they make an original, if HBO makes an original for streaming, yeah, does it belong to HBO in the Max app? Or is it just a Max original, blah, blah, blah? Because that's where I think the crossover is a mistake if you don't if you strip it of its HBO branding. Because yeah, I it mean, feels like an HBO show, even though it was on streaming, it should still be an HBO show, I think. Yeah. I think there's a bunch of really good examples of that. I, I would say Julia, I would say Station Eleven, I would say I mean the biggest yeah. example, of course, obviously, is and just like that, which is literally a sex in the city show. Yeah. Spinoff. That is not an HBO show. It's an HBO Max original. And I think it's a really great qu- question that you bring up, Jason, because I, I think you can see the understanding of it from the programming side on the HBO team where it, uh, on cable, they have like limited space, right? They're like, okay, we're going to play some movies because movies are still very important to HBO in terms of, you know, kind of keeping those customers happy. So we're going to play movies. We're going to have all of our new HBO shows that are going to go out. We have other HBO shows that we play. And so we don't necessarily want to bring this out to the hbo uh, uh network because we're we're working with limited space what does this do for our cost etc 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 but you can see how like on max this might acquire more subscribers you can especially see that with the end just like that play right like this is an older audience who might not be as interested in having hbo max but they clearly are using hbo or have used hbo because they know sex in the city and so we're gonna ha- try to bring them over to to our, our streaming service you can kind of see it there but i i do agree with you i think Stuff like Station Eleven, which felt uh, even our flag means death, which felt very HBO, yeah. but were Max originals. I think what you'll end up seeing happen is those will just kind of be a part of the generalized entertainment plat, uh, uh, excuse me, content on Max that exists outside of HBO, but is kind of heralded as like, well, it comes from the HBO. 
team. It's maybe a little bit more YA or it's more whatever. And it's not going to get the HBO branding because that's it's our very, very, very premium offering. But look how good our generalized entertainment is even mm. outside of the premium offering. Yeah, it's a trick. It's a tricky one. It also has to do with the, their literally their app architecture, right? Because you, yes. you can the point is really where does it get showcased is yeah. is hacks in the HBO tile and you can have it in the HBO tile and also obviously be surfaced as an original out on the top level. If you want to, it's just a matter of how is that built? How do they want to showcase exactly. their content? And then a little bit of like what, how they want to label it. I, I have no doubt that all those originals will be labeled max originals from now on. I just wonder if you're having the HBO team, generate streaming originals which i assume that they will still do to a certain degree because they've got that creative team in place although who knows what what volume they're going to even ask to be asked to produce but like you would you would want to if you could put their stamp on it you'd want to put their stamp on it in some way just i also wonder i've had this conversation with friends in the industry i i wonder how much kind of what i was saying earlier about like hbo go hbo now i wonder how much it matters at the end of the day like I, I think it matters a lot to Casey and his team, Casey Boys, the head of, sure. of HBO, the, in the way that FX still means a lot to John Landgraf, even though he's, you know, very much FX on Hulu, on Hulu at this point. Um, and, and what's happening with Hulu and Disney Plus gets into, you know, this bigger conversation within John Landgraf. And I think with them, it means a lot because they're curators. They're saying, like, this is what we are putting out our networks. This is the the brand that we're catering to, the audience that we're, we really speak to. Um, and so to them, it matters. To the general public, you know, do, do they care? Like, I would say no. I, I, I'd say outside of L.A. and New York, hmm. probably not. Inside L.A. and New York, probably very much so. I, I would say um, I, I, I would just disagree only to say that hmm. I think that if you're somebody who loves HBO, mm-hmm. having a, a show that is tagged as being from HBO, even if it never aired on linear. Right has a right. cachet to it but you're right it's it's pretty insidery and 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 in the end most people don't matter who the producer of a show is but i do think there's some cachet you get in saying this is from the hbo factory even though it Agreed. didn't air especially now that li- what what's on linear doesn't matter in many ways to many people they just all watch it on streaming they're not even looking at the linear channel even if they get it so there there is a a little bit of a stamp there as opposed to it just being here's a new comedy that's floating out in max originals but I also, I mean, when I say it, it depends on the architecture of the app, that's sort of what I mean is in the end, you want everybody to see it. You don't want to lock it away and say, no, no, only the HBO people can see this thing. They're the only ones who care about it. You don't want that. You want it to be part of your general entertainment. And you're right. right. The general, as Tim, I'm going to use a Tim Goodmanism here, the gen pop, they don't care. They don't care. The gen pop, <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they just, it, it's just TV, right? Oh, I heard there's a new show. Is it good? They don't really care about like who, what producers had the budget and like, it's all, that's all inside baseball. They don't care. Right. I mean, that's that's exactly it. So, but it, it's fiefdoms and budgets, and I totally get that part of it. Uh, we'll be interesting to see. I guess I guess next time we talk, we can do a little, uh, we can, we'll set our uh, our little spectrum from purple to blue, and we'll talk about Max, maybe. I, I just, this is maybe, a, <laughs> this, is, this is a question, a dumb question, but I, I don't actually know the answer until so I wonder if you if you do. Is it going to be like hypothetically you're, 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 on your TV? It's whatever. It's right. It's the Max app. Yeah. On your computer, if you're going to the website, is it Max.com? Oh, that's do they a, buy that URL? <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, and the answer is yes. Max.com. They wow. Max.com. That's a pretty penny. <laughs> 
I want to know how much they spent on Max. I, Max I, Headroom, I, Max Headroom has this. never been richer now. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure Max Headroom is the one who owned that. And he's now off on a virtual island somewhere instead. Yeah, they spent a lot of money on Max.com. There it is. <laughs> Um, Thursday evening. This is this is coming to our listeners live. Um, Thursday evening tweet. Does anyone know how much <laughs> Warner Brothers Discovery spent, spent on Max.com? On Max.com. <laughs> yeah, it's possible that they bought it when they launched HBO Max, right? That they that they went before they even announced it that they negotiated to take Max.com so that they could redirect it. Um, it is possible that they did it then, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good domain. I got to say, I also for those who are wondering, um, I got an email as a subscriber that said some apps basically when this sh- shift happens, open your app, and if it's uh, on some platforms, it will just automatically update from HBO Max to Max. On other platforms, you will launch the app, and it'll say you need to go to the store and get the new app. Um, and they didn't specify which platform. So I don't actually know like Apple TV and Roku. And like, I don't know which ones are getting auto updated to become the new version of the app and which ones right. you're going to have to go manually. You're going to, but you will be told because once the switchover happens, your HBO max app will either become a max app or it'll say, go get the max app. Depending. Dude, this is like the, I was going to say the, not, uh, I was going to say the only advantage, not the only advantage, but the nice thing with cable, right? You didn't have to, you didn't even have to think about this. It's just on channel 23, <laughs> it's just on right? channel, whatever. And but, if you didn't have it, it yeah. told you. It I was like, my mom, well, you don't have it. This is my mom a couple weeks ago and, and she was like, well, the Diamondbacks, and you know, she, she's like, oh, I don't know. And I don't know things and I don't know how to use streaming and all that. And yet when I asked her where the Diamondbacks are, she was like, channel 23 and if it's not there it's channel 78 and i'm like dang right like but you know they're not going anywhere there's nothing weird she doesn't have to reinstall anything like she knows what channel they're on that's great i we, love it kevin i had this experience yesterday jason um and then we'll move on. i know i know we spend a lot of time here but um he and i had this experience so uh yankees are playing the blue jays and i was like let's watch the game you know we're both at home Went to YouTube TV, it wasn't there. Went to Yes, wasn't there. We opened up Apple TV Plus, and I remembered, oh, right, that's only Friday. Could Literally was about to give up. Like, we were just going to be like, you know what, we'll just watch, we're watching Yellow Jackets right now. I was like, we'll just watch Yellow Jackets. And then finally, Kev was like, maybe it's Prime Video. And sure enough, there was uh, Prime Video. And right. I was like, this is in, hell on earth. And, and that's, <laughs> that's New York only, but that's, yeah, in New York, they, um, this is not Sports Corner, but in New York, I think we covered this a while ago, the local uh broadcast rights were bought by prime video so local what used to be televised on like a a broadcast tv station in new york now is on prime video instead weird but it's just new york only in new york can you even see it on prime video only in the in the the yankees territory but there it is weird yeah it's frustrating right just channel channel 32 or whatever right (laughs) like those are the days but it's over we ruined it um you mentioned it we should move on to talk about hulu uh, which Bob Iger declared um, is going to be a title inside of Disney Plus. So we we have been talking about mm-hmm. Hulu a lot. You wrote about this on Puck uh, called uh, an article called the Iger Hulu flip flop, which I love. Um, the idea here is everywhere else in the world, the co- a lot of content that we consider Hulu content is already in the Disney Plus app as a tile called, I believe, Star Everywhere, which is based on the Hot Star branding that they had, in, uh, especially in India. So there is this like extra tile that doesn't exist in the U.S. Well, in the U.S., Bob Iger says there's going to be a Hulu tile that contains 
most of Hulu content, not all, probably because of various licensing restrictions and all that, but most of Hulu stuff will be in there. It'll still be a separate and or, you know, bundled because you're using Disney Plus, a bundled additional thing. It doesn't come free with your Disney Plus subscription. Mm -hmm. You have to pay for Hulu, but you'll you won't have to leave the Disney app to watch Only Murders in the Building or Letterkenny. They'll be in, believe it or not, the Disney app, which already got parental controls, right? It's all all the groundwork has been laid for this. But this was this is really interesting because it is Iger making a decision about sort of the disposition of Hulu. And as we've talked about a lot on this on this podcast, um, they're at a decision point with Hulu because they're supposed to buy out NBC Universal's share of Hulu for billions of dollars. Nine and that has billion, to happen yeah. by the end of the year, I think. So I think you're beginning of or beginning 2024. Of next, yeah. 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 It's right right there. And this seems to be the sign that Bob Iger's like, yep, we're gonna we're gonna bring it on inside. It's gonna be part of our strategy, and we're not gonna turn it into Disney Plus. It's gonna continue to be an additional revenue stream. We're just gonna make it convenient for people who have both to watch in one app. What do you think? There's so there's so I've written about Hulu so much in the I last know. six months to the point of like concern for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, we, like, I, cause, cause I writing, feel that way about us talking about it too. It's like we yeah. talk about it and then we talk about it again and we look at each other like again we're here again right there was a great moment on uh the town which is a podcast from my colleague at puck matt bellany uh and he really good great podcast and he had uh, he has lucas shaw and who's a great reporter at bloomberg yes. or a, an editor now i think he's one of those wonder kid hybrid mm -hmm. reporter editors and um they they every i think week they they do a podcast together and they were talking about who and lucas had a great moment where he just went you know i feel really stupid on this because i never considered that they would sell and then for a split second there was so much conversation that i was like maybe they will sell it and he's like and now i'm back to feeling stupid again because i'm like why would they sell and it's funny because i i almost text him to be like Thank you. Like same. Like I've this is what I I've been I've been in this the zone. So all that's a long way of saying. I felt I felt like vindicated on that call. Mm. Where because in the last few months at Puck, I've been like, they should not get rid of Hulu as a service, but they should fold it into or make it easier to kind of operate uh, that make that interoperability much easier. Because the point of Hulu is that it's going to support the main verticals. Here's some concerning numbers for you. It, there more subscribers were added to Disney Plus, the United States and Canada, in the first year than in the two and a half years that followed it. Now, part of that, so they added about 33 million subscribers in the first year and then added another 10 million in the two and a half years that followed. Part of that is that that's naturally going to happen. As adoption kind of really takes off, you eventually level out and then come down, you, you saturate. We're seeing that right now with Netflix. Um, and for Disney Plus, because of the time that they launched and because of the pandemic and because of the, the fan base, the adoption was really quick. So with that said, the bigger issue is that you uh, listeners of this will likely remember that a couple of years ago, Bob Chapek and Bob Iger had kind of gone out and said, we're going to do all these different Marvel and Star Wars shows throughout the year. We're going to do all these shows. It's going to be like 10 shows across the board. And what happened was that the Marvel and Star Wars audience stopped growing. They, 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 they're a very big audience. It's an audience that any studio would love to have. It's a problem any studio and network would love to have. But they're not growing the way that you would need them to grow at the amount of money you're spending on these kind of series, right? So if you look at Andor, Andor is one of the most well-reviewed series out of out of Disney Plus, and it, it probably ever. 
one of the best reviewed Star Wars projects in a very long time. Mm-hmm. It was the lowest rated in terms of viewership. Yeah. Like people didn't watch it. And so you're in this issue of like, okay, well, how do we expand upon an audience and then spend all the money on production and marketing and bring this out and not spending money on marketing on other projects that we're doing? How do we figure this out uh, and, and make re- and increase profit? At the same time that this is happening, Hulu is an issue for a few reasons, right? Hulu is a great asset. Hulu has the strongest advertising revenue, the strongest average revenue per user uh, out of any of the streaming services. It is a solid user base of about 44, 45 million subscribers in the United States, which puts it in third, I believe, uh, just behind, um, uh, it's either third or fourth. It's either behind HBO Max, Netflix, and Disney Plus, or just ahead of Disney Plus, but behind HBO Max and uh, Netflix, if I remember correctly. Um, so it's in a really good position. Uh, the, the FX programming has actually started to have an impact that we're seeing, which is great. And then the Hulu Plus Live TV, they're losing customers on that front uh, or they're beginning to, but uh, it's, it, it is valuable to them still. The issue with Hulu is kind of what I was getting at earlier, which is that it offers undifferentiated general entertainment. So on its own, it's really hard to sell that content at the level that you need to sell it when you're Disney, i.e., you're not just owned as Hulu was by three or four companies, right? Like an independent company that has these three or four major backers. It's you, you really need to help Disney, Disney grow. And you need to do it in a way that's going to cost a, that in a way that's going to cost $9 billion in a few months. And so you at a time when Disney stock is really low, they're bleeding money on the streaming front. And so how do you use Hulu in a way that is going to benefit the Disney streaming company as a whole? The answer is to kind of create what I refer to as these audience spiderwebs, right? They're coming in for the main programming that you're marketing. That could be Star Wars, that could be Marvel, that could be an FX series, it could be a 20th century film, right? Like whatever it is, they're coming in for that. And then you have to better understand the various spider webs, tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, that is going to increase consumption, is going to increase retention, and ideally is going to do so on the ad supported level. The other thing that Jason and I haven't really talked about that is also a massive change in the last two years is it used to be if you pay for this, you won't get ads. And isn't that a great offer? And now everyone's like, we can make twice as much money if we get them to move over Absolutely. to the ad side and the consumption is up, uh, which is, you know, cable. And so and so they right. they and, and they now, learned that if you raise the price on the people who are paying for the ad free version, they don't cancel, which means guess what? They'll raise it more. So exactly. Every. Yeah. But absolutely. This ad revelation has happened. So, yeah, the, the game has completely changed. And so, so to, exactly. And so to end this rambling. If you are stuck with Hulu, and and by the way, the, the other thing that Jason and I haven't mentioned here is, so to Jason's point, Bob Iger said, we're going to basically roll this into Disney Plus, which by all measures would suggest they're going to buy it by all you know accounts. Um, there, there is no commitment to this. All, Brian Roberts, who's the CEO of Comcast, which owns NBC Universal, said in a conference, I believe yesterday when we're recording this, might have been the day before said, uh, we're probably going to sell. Disney has said we're probably, you know, we'll do what's best for the company. No one has committed to anything, in part because they don't want to drive up the price or drive down the price, right? Like, that's a, it's a huge thing. They're, they're playing a lot of head games. Um, in part, I think there's still a part of, of Iger and his team that are like, man, if somebody were to come in and offer us, you know, $40 billion for Hulu or whatever it might be, like $30 billion for Hulu, you know, do we take that deal? Like, what do we do? Um, the last part of this equation, it's really important to understand, right? So this is kind of the next inevitable step is, okay, we have all this content. Um, we don't 
necessarily want to uh we don't know what to do with it we can't necessarily sell it back to comcast because part of the deal of that 27 billion dollars in total they've already paid for most of it. they got to pay 9 billion in 2024 most of that deal would include disney and 20th century content so it's not even like disney can say well you get the subscribers and you get the platform but we keep the content what we've kind of beginning to learn is like no no the deal includes that content so it's like okay well now we sell the issue of trying to support disney plus The bigger problem beyond any of this is two things. One, the time that they have to figure this out is rapidly decreasing. If you look at their latest earnings, the most concerning figure was not necessarily what they're spending on streaming. It was how fast they are losing linear customers. Mm -hmm. They remember when Bob Iger was CEO when he was first coming up, the big part of why he could go out and buy Marvel and could go out and buy Lucasfilm and Pixar and felt really good about it was this little network called ESPN was was printing money for the company. Like it was, they could just sit on ESPN. This was, you know, 110 million subscribers at, 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 in 2011. Since then, they, they, they saw this coming. It's why everyone's pivoting to streaming as not just a service, but literally as a platform as everyone goes to the internet, is they saw the linear sub start to decrease. The time that everyone thought they had, from the executives to the analysts who cover cable and telecom, thought that they had is rapidly decreasing. So if you think about it as a plane, right, the time that you have to take off on that runway and get off safely, you're getting really close to the end. And at the same time, your streaming platforms are not profitable. And so you're going about you're about to lose out on your only profitable sector because it's starting to hit that edge of the cliff and you need streaming to take off. Hulu is your best way alongside exactly what Jason was saying. You can increase prices slightly and you can bring the advertising in and you're hoping that that generates enough revenue per user uh, alongside more uh, acquisition and retention of those customers that you're going to hit a, a profitability point that the street's going to be on your side. That's one. Linear is a very, very scary reality for them right now and they're trying to figure it out. Two, also scary in my opinion, the growth for their streaming services are not going to come from content alone. That is terrifying. If you are a Disney, if you are an NBC Universal, your biggest right. asset is your content. And what we can look at, right? You kind of hear this conversation in different in ways that different questions are being framed in different initiatives you're seeing is great. Passive entertainment's really important and people are still paying for it. But more and more of their time is being spent on immersive contents. So they're going out, they're doing theme parks, stuff, whatever it might be, video games, uh, which is interactive. Short form yeah. content, right? TikTok, user generated content, YouTube, that's all eating away. And what we're saying is there, there's, there's other things that people are looking for to spend their time doing that's outside pure consumption. If there's no difference in your general entertainment, and if your main verticals are not growing, like Star Wars and Marvel are not necessarily growing, your theatrical is still experiencing huge issues from COVID and your linear is declining. And the main thing you need to get more people involved is like an interactive form of entertainment or something completely different than what you have. You're going to try to find any type of win that you can point to. Hulu really becomes that for Disney or the idea of having this content that can roll into Disney plus becomes that for Disney. The question is whether it's a win at $27 billion. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, th- their choices know. are few. I, I I feel like this is the right choice among a very small selection of choices. Same, agreed. Um, and the spider web, you laid a little spider web out there for about ESPN, which we're going to get to in Sports Corner. But, um, yeah, it, it, I, I think it's the right decision just because it's an asset they bought. Uh, Fox, <laughs> they've got that content machine. And to your point, like, that you do need to expand the brand and and being able to have. A somebody come in for a Marvel show or a Star Wars show or a movie or whatever, 
Nat Geographic documentary, whatever, and then have other stuff to show them. Have them have uh, only murders in the building. Also, also, there's marketing potential here yeah. in app marketing. We talk about the yeah. power of the apps. Like you don't want to leave the app. Nope. You don't want your people to press the out of the app if they can stay there and watch something else. When the show is over, they bring up a, a selection of things. You get to let people watch episode one of something that's on Hulu, and then exactly. immediately you strike and you say you want the rest. Upgrade your bundle to Hulu if you don't have it. You get like there's there's a lot of power in keeping all that stuff in the app. Um, and since it's a bundled service, potentially, you know, you're you're converting a, uh, you know, standalone Disney Plus subscriber into a bundle subscriber just through yeah. having that content available and connected, as well as increasing engagement by saying, hey, you really liked Andor. Uh, we've got a similar uh, adult drama about similar themes, but it's not yep. Star Wars and it's on Hulu. You know, exactly. go watch that. And that that's just there's a lot of power. But you're right. It's going to be a tough needle for them to thread. There was a story today about how they're like they had their Star Wars hotel that they're shutting down. And like there's yeah. lots of Disney is a business, you know, is in transition. As you said, a lot of their revenue sources are going away. They got to figure out what their new sources are. This is why it's Bob Iger and not Bob Chapek. Like, but it's not easy even for Bob Iger to to navigate this. And and, and what I will just add, because I think Jason brings up an extremely important point is um, the the bundle aspect of this, right? Like they're not shutting off. Tulu. So if you wanted to just sign up for Hulu, like you can still do that. And they're yeah. like, great. And they're not obviously not shutting off Disney Plus. But the idea about the bundle is two things for them. To Jason's exact point, I had written about this for Puck, right? If you if if that is th- this comes onto a question about willingness to pay. Willingness to pay is something that every single uh strategy and executive team thinks about whenever they go to do a price increase. This is where they pay the consultants a lot of money to kind of figure this out. Um, or whenever they're gonna price something in general. What are the or are people willing to pay? Uh, a great example uh, for this, I was having a conversation with someone who asked me, why aren't more streaming services doing short form content like TikTok? And it's like, well, are people willing to pay for that type of content when they get it for free? Also, so you, you think about these kind of questions. The thing with the Disney Plus uh, and Hulu combination is exactly what Jason said. If that Disney uh, Plus customer was not going to pay for Hulu, like they they were pretty happy without it. And then all of a sudden, because we get rid of this perma- uh, this object permanence problem and now there's actual content on an app and so you're more likely to hit you know hit it and see what happens um if you are able to get them to then sign up for the bundle that's great right because it really um it theoretically uh, increases your average revenue per user i say theoretically because we don't know what they're making on the bundle we don't know how that breaks down um but the bigger thing especially in the united states uh where this is the only country this is going to happen in uh because hulu is u.s only um the, the the bigger thing is that the u.s is a really strong churn district right now it again it gets back to that oversaturated content it gets back to the fact that a lot of it's generalized it gets back to the fact that people are playing or are spending more time playing video games and they are watching tv or whatever it might be um the bundle we know through numbers through pure data reduces churn and so if Disney can get people to say, okay, well, I'm going to pay for this bundle and I'm going to open this app more often because I'm seeing more content than I was before, they not only can potentially acquire, you know, let's say they see a nice little 10% bump in subscribers, not only are they going to grow that and ideally grow it on the ad supported tier, right? So then they can bring the advertising and say, well, look, you have all this access to all these different people plus access to just Disney plus and then just Hulu or whatever it might be. Um, they're also going to say, 
uh, we are we are going to to reduce our churn at a time when everyone else is trying to do that. And so I think it's like the best thing they could do. Bob Iger basically said that on the earnings call. He's like, yeah. listen, we need something to support Disney Plus, and if that's Hulu, then that's Hulu. Like, what we need something and. As someone uh, who's talked to Jason about this for far too long, as someone who's been writing about this at Puck for, uh, unfortunately, for my editors for far too far often, too <laughs> like for far too long, it's it's like, I'm just, I because I really, I, I'm going to send Lucas a text after this. I really was like, Luke, I felt like Lucas, where he was like, am I stupid? Like, am I, am I just not seeing what other people are seeing? And um, I, I think the, the Bellamy brought this up, and I agree with him. I think there's there's a world in which, a you know group of pri- private equity came together right and was like we'll give you 30 billion blackstone comes in and says we'll give you 30 billion we're ideally going to sell this for 40 billion in in 10 years and we'll make our money that way and we're happy um but i think it's the wrong time for that to have happened i think streaming is at this really interesting moment where it's obviously the future but uh, a lot needs to change and so disney saddled with it and they'll make the best they can with it yeah be interesting to see i i also uh i get echoes of max and discovery plus it's not quite the same yes. because of the fact that max members will get the discovery content on max um but it is like it in the sense that it's we've got different content and we've got a different audience and we want to have this over here while also offering this other app and other service over there not quite the same but similar complicated but um yeah, well, I guess we'll watch how it goes down, but I think I think it's a I think it's the right thing, and it lets Bob Iger move on, and I guess it's going to let NBC Universal get a, a big check. So yeah, there's that. Unless they want to like make a trade, they traded Al Michaels at one point. Maybe they can trade uh, somebody back, just uh, you know, some intellectual property slash talent. Uh, nobody's worth that much, that many billion though. But anyway, we'll watch it. Um, I wanted to touch on another issue before we get to sports corner. Sports which corner. is uh, coming, but not yet, because we need to at least mention this. And I'm curious what you think about where this is going. The Writers Guild of America, WGA, is on strike now. And the, yep. some people are calling this the Netflix strike. It is about streaming issues. And really, if you listen to the writers, there was a there was a salary structure that was set up. And it was set up in the era of essentially network TV and then later kind of cable TV where there were an expected number of episodes, an expected number of writers in the writer's room, um, and an expected structure for things like residuals, for reruns. And streaming has changed the concept of residuals. It has uh, changed the length of uh, series runs, the length of time you spend as an employed writer in a writer's room. And really, and I don't think anyone would deny this. I don't even think that the producers would deny this. It has changed. It has upended the assumptions that were made when everybody decided how writers would be compensated. Um, Now, where we go from there and what's fair is what they're hashing out. But and and I'm just going to say I'm strongly in support of the writers here. I feel like this is a case where the producers have... uh, have used the change in economics to their advantage because the rules didn't change, even though the actual way the game was played did change. It's a little Mm -hmm. like baseball, introducing a pitch clock, right? It's like, whoa, it's different, but it's also still the same. Uh, And it is up to the writers to say, no, this, you know, our payments were predicated on things like reselling the rights and residuals. And now that's ch- totally changed because Netflix just buys it and keeps it forever. We need to talk about that. And we need to talk about the fact that we're not employed 
for 26 or 30 or 40 weeks a year on a show were now employed for 12 and there are half of us. Um, so they're on strike and it feels to me like it's going to be a while. Yeah, I would be I would be shocked if this wrapped up before Labor Day. Yeah, it's going to be a very long time. And it's it's so complicated because I think if we examine the, 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 well, let me take a step back. If we examine the issue at play, the debate only works if both sides agree on the same thing. And they kind of do, but they also don't. And my, uh, my my point about that is this. The writers have argued a few things. One of them gr- wrong. One of them very wrong. Two of them right. And then we'll get where, to the, where the studios are coming from. So they've argued executives are making an insane amount of money. True. Uh, they've argued that streaming um, and the lack of transparency and data has made it harder for them to negotiate fair wages. I think that's also true. Here's where it gets wrong. And then here's where it gets really muddy. Then they've argued that these corporations are seeing record-breaking profits. Now, some of that is is true. They are they're growing profits in certain areas. The argument that it's because of streaming that they're making all this money is inherently false, right? Like they 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 these companies have collectively, outside of Netflix, lost an insane amount of money on streaming. For Disney to the point that they ousted a CEO. They right. were like, you're losing way too much on streaming. They brought the guy in who ran in streaming. Although to so be fair, the they kind of lost it intentionally in order to gain, <laughs> yes. to, to gain ground. But they, they did lose money on it. They spent, a huge, spent more money than they knew they were going to get back in order to establish it. But it is true that they lost money on it. And, sure. so, and so what, in, the t- in the time of the boom, right, we were kind of looking at it, more writers were hired because more projects were being ordered. So they're saying, well, we didn't see any of those profits come into our wages. I can't, I'm not in any of those rooms. I don't have access to any of those spreadsheets, but I'm going to assume that that's true. I come from a writing background. I just, I'm, I'm going to believe the writers on that. Like, let's say that they were not seeing massive wage increases because the number of writers uh, that were hired went up. And so the average kind of stays the same, um, even though the projects that were, were ordered, you know, had like doubled and tripled. Now, when you look at the future, your argument is like, well, the, as this is happening for streaming, you know, we should get a larger part of that profit and it comes out to transparency, except that they're cutting back, right? All these studios are now saying, well, we're not going to, we're cutting so many projects because actually what we've determined is that streaming is not the sole future. It is a part of the future. It is, we will move into an internet kind of over the internet delivery system, but we're not going to move away from theatrical. We're going to hold on to linear as strong as possible. We're not moving away from parks. We might be we might be leaning into immersive. You look at Netflix, right? We're leaning into immersive and gaming. Warner Brothers Discovery's yeah. biggest hit of the last six months has not been an HBO show or a sporting event. It has been a Harry Potter legacy, uh, Hogwarts legacy, whatever that game is, right? Yeah. Which did like an insane amount of money in, in the first two weeks. Um and so I've, I've spent all of my gaming time in the last week on a Netflix game, right? I mean, like it's Disney, just as a sidebar, we're going to have to talk about this for a longer at some point down the road. But like yes. Disney is missing the boat when it comes to gaming. They really are. Oh, yeah. And so, and so, and so all of these, this is what makes the strike so hard because I would argue almost everyone is siding with, with writers. People naturally side with creatives. Creatives don't get, there are, there's one, ten, one, you know, let's say 2% of creatives that get paid insanely well. Uh, the vast majority of them do not. They have working uh, lives and, and they're, you know, trying to pay their rent like the rest of us are, pay their mortgage, whatever it might be. Um, what I will say is the big question that they need to figure out, the kind of, massive 
identity crisis kind of sitting at the heart of this is that one side, and you could argue this is the writers, see this shift to digital as nothing but profit booming, profit boosting for the studios. The studios are trying to figure out if that's true or if they're lo- if they're going to become the new newspaper, right? Are they yeah. shifting to digital? And how is that going for the media, right? Like how has that, you know, another example would be Less so uh, the pivot, like the pivot to like home video would be like less so, oh, there's just another room, another way for you to make more money off movies. Like we'll just, inc- we'll make a new windowing, we'll have physical goods, whatever it might be. It's like, well, are you a music uh, industry, right? Are you, is this just what happens post Napster and you're not really selling as many CDs and you're kind of hoping vinyl comes back up because maybe there's a way into there and then finally you figure something out with Spotify to an extent, but really you're leaning into live. All of these questions become very difficult for the corporations. And I, and I want to be very clear here. I am not siding in any way with a corporation. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends from the WGA. And so I very much am rooting for them to have ability to pay for their rent and their mortgages. And, uh, you know, I, I really am supporting them. Um, but for the point of the conversation, I'm trying to be as analytical as possible. I think that the problem is like, there are two very opposing viewpoints, not just on like, should we get paid or not, but like, what is the future of this industry looking like? And how is that going to affect the bottom line for the companies that Wall Street is now watching, right? And saying like, well, we need this. And I think that's difficult because no one has that answer. And so the writers very, very understandably so are like, well, we're protecting ourselves for the next three, five years. Like we need to figure this out because if we don't, it's only going to get worse for us. And the studios are saying, we don't know how many of these companies are going to be around in five years. Like we we actually don't know what this looks like or where we're going to be distributing or how we're going to be selling our content. And so I think, you know, Bob Iger once said, uh, this is a period of high anxiety. I think this is like a, a, a really good example of that. And that is why I think I would be shocked if this strike was over before, you know, September 15th, before the film festivals kicked off. I think your point about it being unsettled is actually the key point about why this is um, going to be such a difficult negotiation. It would be different if all the economics had changed and things seemed settled. In fact, if these negotiations had happened a year ago, I feel like the writers would have a greater advantage because everybody would be investing vast amounts of money and we will not have the Netflix drop off that we had that really changed things. But the truth is it would have been a false feeling of being settled, but it would have felt settled to a certain degree. But we're in very unsettled times. And I think that's the challenge is, again, supporting the writers, because I do think that the current situation is untenable for so many writers. The problem is nobody really actually knows where this is going to end up economically. And it would be if I was negotiating for a producer, I would be really reluctant to commit to things that depended on aspects of my business model working themselves out if I didn't have a great confidence that they would work themselves out, right? The fear that you're going to end up preventing yourself from making money by making a deal that makes assumptions that don't come true. And that makes it really difficult for anybody to negotiate. So that, that makes it extra hard here, I think. Yeah, agreed. All right, it is time now for, at last, Sports Corner. Sports Corner. Sports Corner. (laughs) The NFL, Julia, is going to put one of next season's wildcard playoff games on Peacock. 
The first time yeah. an NFL postseason game has t- been taken off of, I mean, it used to be off of broadcast, then it was off of broadcaster cable. And now here we are taken off of broadcaster cable into streaming, except in local markets. And if you got a mobile phone, you can watch it on the NFL's mobile phone streaming thing. But like still, it's not going to be on NBC. It's going to be on Peacock, one of those first weekend playoff games. Um, I I will link in the show notes to an interesting tweet by um, the Athletics' Jim Trotter, who is a a longtime NFL writer. Uh, He had an interesting perspective. Uh, Spoke to a well-placed source about the NFL's agreement. The person had an interesting and informed perspective, saying the league was simultaneously playing offense and defense, which, by the way, you can't do in football. You can only do one at a time. Offense, <laughs> the NFL reportedly gets about $110 million to do a test run and exclusively streaming a playoff game. If things go well, it not only can raise the rights fee next season, but potentially sell exclusive streaming rights to a second playoff game. Defense, I'm told Amazon is a tough negotiator, and if things go sideways in the next round of negotiations with the service, the league wants to know it has options to go somewhere else. Leverage is the key word. So you talk to NBC Universal about Peacock, and then you can look at Amazon and say, see, we don't need you. We've got these guys. If you don't want to play ball. Anyway, really interesting. The NFL, which is the number one television product in America, <laughs> um, doing uh, some more experimentation with um, with streaming and, and, and streaming as a revenue source by putting this game on Peacock. It's pretty big. Question for you, Jason. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can act as a consumer of uh, – you can act as American consumer in this, in this question. Okay. Do you, you – so three-part, three-parter. Do you use Peacock? If so, do you use it primarily for sports? And if not, would this be the thing that convinces you to sign up for Peacock? I do use Peacock. Mm-hmm. I do use it primarily for sports, I think. Me too. Me too. Because of English Premier League soccer, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because most but not all of NBC's Premier League coverage is on Peacock. Mm-hmm. I do watch stuff on Peacock too. I'm watching Mrs. Davis right now, which is... Oh, bana- yeah, I heard that was good. Bananas. It's. I, <laughs> is it good? It's very entertaining. <laughs> In a, That's how I felt about Bob Kiss. I, I get mean, it. So any, anytime, anytime you mix Damon Lindelof with one of the writers from The Big Bang Theory, you're going to get something very strange. Um, <laughs> and it is. And it's fun. Um, anyway, so... And what I pay... I mean, look... If I'm not an NFL completist, but a casual fan, there are so many playoff games. If I miss one and it's going to be like the worst matchup of the the worst matchups of the worst playoff weekend. Right. It's it's going to be the the least valuable. It's the Thursday night NFL network game of playoff games. Right. For those in the know, if you know, you know. Um, But if you are a completist. You just got to pay for, I mean, first off, there might be a free trial. And if there isn't a free trial, you just got to pay for a month, right? And and Peacock's are like, aha, but now we've got you. And maybe you'll watch some other things while you're there. And like, sure, maybe. But like the expense of it is not, it's not even like a pay-per-view. Like it'll, it, it, it it's cheap. So people yeah. sign up for a month and then they'll cancel it. And it, it's not that big a deal. And other people will just take a pass on it. Um, And then other people will fe- feel that it is adding to what NBC Universal is building, which is Peacock having a really strong sports message, maybe the yeah. strongest sports message of any streaming service. Yeah, I mean it's 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 so funny. I was That's talking how ESPN to Plus, I'm sure. Yeah, no, well, I would say I would say bigger than ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus has some decent leagues, but but they're not. I, I would argue they're not. You know, 
the NFL, right? Like they're not even yeah. the NBA. Oh, yeah, it no, is I watch like, more sports on on Peacock than on ESPN Plus. It's same. True. I, I think I think a lot of people do, unless you're into like cycling or or just like those sports, like uh, or UFC, yeah. obviously, or, being or, probably the or small one. college basketball or things like that. But yeah, right. Right. So, so I think Peacock is the go-to. I, I mean, ironically, I think out of all the platforms, I think Peacock and Amazon Prime Video are probably the go-tos for a lot of cord cutters. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I will say. I definitely agree with Trotter Source's opinion. Like when I, when I first heard about this, I was kind of like, oh, that sucks for the advertisers. I was like, because they, it's not even like they're simulcasting it on NBC and Peacock so they right. can get both audiences, Except right? in the local markets, which will be the biggest markets, right? The two teams yes. playing, their local markets will be on presumably the NBC station in those markets, and they'll have huge ratings. But for the rest of the country, who doesn't care, honestly, about that game, it'll just be Peacock. Right. And, and ex- a huge point from Jason. is Exactly. So, like, the, my first thought was like, well, that sucks for the advertisers. Yeah, I guess who want to reach the non-local markets. And it all depends on what this game ends up being uh and and like when it uh, and the play the game the teams in it and when it ends up uh, airing but i will say when we look at the kind of bumps and subscriptions that big sports and we're, we're we're using big in quotations here um listeners when we think about big sports that really hit peacock football remains the largest right it's like football olympics and epl uh it, it just gives a mat like the super bowl whenever it is it's like it gives a massive 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 spike now, again, I said big in quotations because I'm not trying to say this is the Super Bowl by any means. Um, but I think a lot about the fact that these games, when, for example, when they're simulcast, this one is not, but when they're simulcast, the impact on the streaming services is huge. The impact on the networks from those games being on the streaming services is immaterial. It doesn't impact those networks at all. And so for Peacock to kind of win this, I think it's a really big experiment for them. Because how much does a wild card game that's kind of exclusive to Peacock outside of the the um, local uh, territories, how much does that actually drive subscription? And then once they're in there, kind of what I was saying about that spider web, right? Like always think about kind of the, the, the spider web programming. What is there to keep them? Are people staying I doubt, I don't even think you necessarily are going to get a, tr- a trial or a special deal. I think they'll kind of say, well, if you want access to this game, it's, you know, whatever, $6, $7. How many other people do they keep? I think this is a turning point for a lot of these these streaming, these general entertainment streaming platforms. And the idea of like, okay, well, how does this actually work for our audience? Does it grow? What can we do with that? Is really key to NBC Universal when they're figuring out what to do with Peacock. It's absolutely massive for the NFL. Because they know they want to be on linear and they're happy with that. But they're also thinking about the same way that I was talking about Disney looking at their uh, linear numbers. They're thinking about that too, right? They're thinking about like, okay, well, where do we go next? Like, is it is it Amazon? We know that Amazon's going to drive a pretty hard bargain. Is it splitting it up? Do we do what the, what the MLB does, right? What the NBA right. might have to do. And like, is that, is that what we're going to do? Or, or how do we figure this out? Taking these games that are low risk potentially high reward for all parties involved minus the advertisers i would argue um nbc universal would push back on that they would say it's great for the advertisers i'm saying minus the advertisers um it's it's kind of like a no-brainer it's like well sure like i it's it's like this made total sense to me um and i really don't think there's going to be a material change in in, in any way unless those numbers are like insane but and i don't expect them to be unless the matchup is like right. a a good one. And it won't be. It, 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 it'll be the worst <laughs> matchup. You know it will. It absolutely will be. Um, yeah, I, I, I can see I can see an era where 
um, where sports is sports streaming is really a battle between Peacock and ESPN, uh, which is essentially, you know, ESPN and NBC sports and NBC has had the Olympics for a long time and has a very powerful sports lineup and ESPN is ESPN. And like, I don't know, it it could be (laughs) that it is, uh, that those are the giants of, of this field. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll watch this. There's there are so many more nuances we can't even get to here, but I'm sure in a future sports corner we will. I have one more sports corner story for you though, and it is the big uh, one. Can yeah, for, can, for, can oh, I yeah. just say before we just get into sure, our sure. last one, just because it's been a whole thing in my household, I'm sure Jace Ray knows where I'm going with this. I want to say congrats to all Jets fans on finally getting <laughs> a primetime game uh, because you have Aaron Rodgers now. So I know in my household this has been like huge news and so i just want to you know really put that out there just congratulations wow Wow. aaron Rodgers is now your problem detroit lions got some primetime games too it's like congratulations to you but congratulations they actually won games the jets just traded for a guy (laughs) it's great he's a cal guy i gotta be for aaron Rodgers, i guess because he's a cal guy I saw him play in college. He was great then. They have great, great player. Shocker. It turns out uh, they've never had a quarterback better than him in all the years since he left. And and here as your fan, you're like, oh, the next guy will be. Nope. No, the next guy is never going to be Aaron Rodgers. Listen, great, great football player. Less podcasts. Just him. There's a few people. I'm like, you are so talented at your thing. No podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, Jared Goff was nice and all, but he wasn't yeah. Aaron Rodgers, is what I'm saying. That's how quarterbacks go. Okay, last item. ESPN. Mentioned it before. We talked about it here. When do they do it? What's what's it happening? It's getting closer. This idea that ESPN at some point has to offer ESPN, not just the extras on ESPN+, Plus, but the core ESPN property that's currently only available on cable or satellite or virtual. But the, the story in the Wall Street Journal? Today, as we record this, ESPN lays plans to stream flagship channel eyeing cable TV's demise. Uh, The idea here is that ESPN has begun, according to this report, altering the conditions of their contracts with cable providers and with pro sports leagues so that they can be ready to do the next step, which is to create a an over-the-top product that you can just subscribe to and get ESPN without subscribing to cable or satellite or any other kind of TV provider. Um, the challenge here, of course, is that ESPN currently gets something like $9 per subscriber for every cable system it's on, which is more money than you're going to get from a cord cutter. Uh, on average, even I mean, even if you charge, because what happens is you're going to get a cord cutter, but you don't get the money from the two other people who don't watch ESPN, but we're paying you yeah. nine dollars. However, linear TV is going down so fast <laughs> that that revenue is going to go away, and you do actually, if you're if you're Disney, want to give those people another way to give you money so that they come over. Uh, it's a hard one. They're gonna, you know, it, it's hard. But I think the truth is they're not foregoing revenue by doing this. Because they know they're going to lose that revenue anyway, and they need to have a lifeboat. But when we talk about Disney and all of Disney's problems that they've got as a company, one of them is that that $9 for literally every cable subscriber, whether they ever watched sports or not, going to ESPN, that those days are ending 
and they got to do something. So I thought this was an interesting yeah. report that what do you do first? Well, the first is you get your contracts in order. So you even can offer this service yeah. at step one. And according to the journal, they have this thing that's uh, it's Operation Flagship. <laughs> and this is what it is. It is the over the top plan for ESPN. Really interesting. Yeah, I, I to Jason's point just now, and I think it's the most crucial part of this, it is like those contracts have to be there uh, and the content has to be there. ESPN's a great brand. ESPN with half of what it can offer, and I mean like big, good games, good leagues uh, on an over-the-top over platform, not as valuable, right? It's like people will go where the games are. Yeah. They're not beholden to the network. They're not necessarily even beholden to the talent on the network. And so I have no doubt that Bob Iger uh, and uh, Pataro over at ESPN will figure it out. They they always have, and, and they've got great connections with the leagues, and they can do a lot with it. Um, but I do think there's a lot of questions about, like, what is ESPN over the top? Does that include ESPN Plus? What is ESPN Plus? Like, like what, what, what do you do with, with that to not make it confusing? Do you just roll ESPN Plus into your ESPN? So you get, I think they have, what, like, 14, like 16, 17 million subscribers overnight helps boost those numbers a little bit. Like all, all these questions I kind of have. And then also the interesting thing with the timing of of the of this, right? So they've talked about this more than usual in the past, Disney. Like we kind of knew this was happening. The Wall Street Journal story pushed it forward a little bit more with the actual name of the project and, and kind of the imminent launch or not imminent launch, but the details around the launch. We, but but even Iger and Pataro have talked a little bit more openly about this, and I think that really correlates to those declining numbers in in linear that are really concerning. Yeah. And it is them saying to their shareholders and to Wall Street, we are aware about that this is our cash cow. We are aware that it is declining. We are aware that we need to figure out how to create a profitable uh, DTC offering within or within ESPN and for ESPN. Um, that we're going to be getting to. I think they're trying to take as many lessons as they can from from what's happening within Disney streaming right now. I think they're probably talking to the leagues about what that would look like, you know, if we offer this. Because um, it wouldn't be that they're shutting down the linear channel, right? right. So what they were going to be telling the leagues, I imagine, and, and advertisers is kind of what's been happening with NBC slightly, right? It's kind of like, well, look, you're going to get two odd different audiences and you'd be able to advertise on both. The people who are going to be really upset about that if that happens are the carriers who are like, well, you're getting how much in affiliate revenue uh, because we're carrying this thing. And now you want to just – I'd probably splice some of that subscriber base so they would go over to your streaming service where you don't owe us anything. Right. Um, that's going to be a really – I mean this is the CNN issue that Jason and I talked about in a podcast many, many moons ago. Right, the idea that like you can't offer CNN over the top because it really upsets the carriers. Ah, like that, they're remember CNN Plus. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> ex exactly. And so, and so that's but that's why ESPN Plus has always been non NFL. Right, yeah. they don't get Monday Night Football. Like it's it's a very very specific thing. And so, I the question I have is not even so much as like when Disney launches this because that's inevitable and how the league and advertisers will feel about it. I mean, honestly, pretty good, right? Like their audiences, they might be able to reach two different audiences, but like, but larger reach and they might be able to, and the advertisers can kind of really hyper target their advertising, you know, older audience on the cable network, younger audience on the cord cutting. Um, I think my question is what those conversations with the carriers are like. Oh yeah. Cause it's them who are going to be like, uh, well, no, no, we have like, you know, this is where all the lawyers get involved. It's like, right. we have, 
this contract in play. And so I think Disney has to really be like, are we going to be able to do this thing that we want to do in the time that we want to do? And I actually, I don't know. I I have no idea. I, so the detail that I thought was most fascinating is the one I pulled out, the, the securing flexibility in its deals with cable providers. I would love to know what's in those deals because my guess off the top of my head is that their per subscriber fee goes down if they if they do an over the top service right yes like that's the negotiation is we will let you offer this in because they're all they're all regional right all the cable providers have um have regions unless they're like satellite or or a vmpvd so they're like oh comcast regions we have the exclusive or at least we only compete with satellite and virtual um and but you're going to take that away and you're going to compete with us directly and you're our partner so here's what we're going to do we'll let you do it but when you do it we're not giving you nine dollars a sub anymore because you're going to steal our subs because what the cable companies view the sports subs as a bulwark against cord cutting right it's like well you can't cancel comcast because that's where espn is right but once that's no longer there, true, right? It's like, oh, it's not a problem. I've got, you know, I've got this streaming service that's got my local baseball games now in a couple of years. And I've got this that's got ESPN. It's like, I don't need you anymore. So if you're a cable company, you're like, well, why? Now the percentage of my subscriber base that's watching ESPN is going to go down. So why am I compensating you at nine per when now ESPN's you know, desired desirousness in our in our product it has been diluted so that i don't know if that's the case but like when i read flexibility in the deals i'm like well how do you secure flexibility in the deals if you're espn that's my best guess is that it's probably not cutting your rate now but it probably is cutting your rate when you pull the trigger um yeah cutting rate offering offering a bit of a cut of whatever the streaming revenue is which is what the theaters remember when the, the COVID stuff was happening that's what they had said they said Maybe you give us a cut of whatever revenue the film makes on the platforms. And that didn't go anywhere, which makes me think that Jason's is the much, much more uh, right. realistic yeah, way I of mean, this would go down. I mean, you could do like zip codes of people. Yeah. And in, in those, in your territories, you get a percentage of the, or whatever. But like, yeah. Or, or you just say, pay us $7 a sub or $5 a sub or whatever that number is that you negotiate in exchange for us to be able to do this. Cause the cable providers know that Disney desperately wants to be able to offer this thing. So it's like, okay, what's the trigger? What do you give us for it? You know, we're not gonna, you're hurting our business. So give us money. It's like, okay. Just so much easier now than it has ever been. Really? I think that's the takeaway. Sports yeah. way easier. Never super, been easier. Super simple. Uh, and we Super didn't even simple. get to, and, and this is, I've already put it in our list. Oh my God. I have so many things in our list for next time in two weeks. Everybody <laughs> come back in two weeks because I didn't mention that we keep talking about things like uh, linear going down. I, I saw some stats this last week about how even if you roll in like Hulu, Hulu Plus and YouTube TV, those services numbers are going down. Oh so yeah, like, they've cord all lost. Cutting, yeah. Right? Cord cutting phenomenon is not just hitting cable and satellite. It is hitting virtual cable bundles too. They are also fading out a little bit, which is bananas and like bad sign, right? Of that the the height of cable cutting is maybe like now people are like, oh, I wean myself off cable. I don't really need this bundle, this virtual bundle either. And we haven't talked about the fact that in Phoenix, the owner of the Suns has declared that all of their games are going to just be on a local broadcast station, and that's their solution to the regional or the the uh, regional sports network. 
uh, which is a Bally Sports Arizona there, uh, going uh, bankrupt is rather than doing cable at all, they're just going to contract with a, an owner of local TV stations and put all their games there. We got to talk about that, too, because that's a whole other wrinkle, which is like, well, wait a second, broadcast. It's like, yeah, maybe it makes sense. Broadcast or streaming and you choose. And and I want to talk to you about Disney and gaming, but that's all going to have to wait because we're out of time. We have so much to catch up on. It's the best. We, there was just a lot. So it, also, I didn't read any letters, but we've got letters and I want more letters. I, I Honestly, I want more letters. We didn't have that many. We had a few, but we want to hear from you with your questions. Downstreamfeedback.com is where to send those. Love to your mothers. We love hearing from you. You can find Julia, of course, our director of strategy at Loudmouth Julia on Twitter parrotanalytics.com and puck.news very good subscription i am a puck subscriber lots of good stuff there including um what i'm hearing plus is that what your column is called yeah yeah i uh, that's what i'm doing and i I gotta say i think the most entertaining newsletter we've got coming out i mean obviously i love matt bellany's what i'm hearing that's the flagship but dylan byers who's our media Mm reporters just got the best cnn reporting right now oh man it's it's, oh, it's so good. The, yeah, the newsletters. So are, good. Uh, I, I'm subscribed to all the newsletters at Puck. They're all really good. Um, and uh, you can find me at sixcolors.com. I appear on many other podcasts, including those at Relay FM and theincomparable.com. We will be back in two weeks for more sports, more non-sports, and maybe even an exciting announcement about how you can support us more. <gasps> maybe, but that's next time. And until next time, Julia, it's great to have you back. I'm so happy to be back. Bye, everybody. Bye, Jason.